I saw a new heaven and a new earth, records John. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I heard the one who was seated on the throne say, See, I am making all things new. What have we seen and heard in recent weeks? A racially motivated massacre at a grocery store in Buffalo, bombed out homes and cities in Ukraine, the cries of displaced families across the globe, the lingering pandemic with its toll of a million deaths in this country alone, news of uncontrollable wildfires and record-breaking droughts, political strife, outrage, and economic instability. Some of you are still waking up from the chaos of homes and property damaged by recent storms. Others find the ground beneath your feet shifting with seismic changes to your health, livelihood, or loved ones. With all that we have seen and heard, I go back to the revelation to John. But I don't want to read his words again. I want to see what he saw. I want to hear what he heard. I don't think I'm alone in that. The people of Buffalo and black communities everywhere want to see and hear. The people of Ukraine want to see and hear. The people in the path of wildfires in New Mexico and California want to see and hear. The people who long for justice and opportunity want to see and hear. Many of us long to see and to hear. And yet the darkness and noise of the circumstances make it difficult to see and hear that all things are being made new. How fitting it is, then, that today's gospel takes us back to another dark night a last supper, a betrayal, a departure, an impending death. It is the night before Jesus' crucifixion. He has fed his disciples. He's washed their feet. Judas has stepped out into the night of betrayal. Jesus tells his disciples that he is leaving and that they cannot go with him. Peter and Thomas will ask what everyone is thinking. Why not? Where are you going? How will we find our way? Surely they feel the ground shifting beneath their feet. Their world is changing. The disciples will have to learn, see, and eventually trust that even in the midst of terror and tragedy, chaos and pain, death and sorrow, All things are being made new. And so must we as well. We too must learn that God's making new happens in the midst of and not apart from the circumstances of our lives and our world. Even as that is the disciples' work, so too it is our work and it is not easy work. It's some of the most difficult work we do. Ultimately, it is the work of love, 
I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This commandment is Jesus' departing charge to the disciples, and it's, it's less something to be accomplished than it is a way of living and being, an orientation and a disposition, one that ensures Christ's presence and continues his work of making all things new. Love one another. The space Jesus once physically occupied among his disciples is now to be filled with mutual love. There is something about our love for one another that reveals Christ as present in whatever circumstances we might find ourselves. His final command is both our preparation for and our participation in his resurrected life here and now. Love reveals a new heaven and a new earth. Love is the gateway, the entry into the new Jerusalem. Love makes all things new. Love is both the means and the goal, a journey that has no ending, and a destination that is everywhere. The love Jesus commands is independent of, of who the other is or our feelings about them. It is, it is not determined by personal qualities or lovability. His commandment to love takes us beyond sentimentality, emotions, friendship, and kinship. It's not a feeling, but a choice. If we are to be known as Jesus' disciples, we will show it by choosing to love one another. The mark of faithfulness is not what we believe, but how we love. Love is a commitment that is embodied and enacted. We don't reason or feel our way into it. We act our way into loving one another. That's what Jesus did. His life, death, and resurrection are the embodiment and enactment of love. Those of us who would be his disciples continue that by loving all that God loves, all that Jesus loved, which is everyone and all creation. It may not always be easy, but it's not complicated. It's about people, life, and circumstances. It's about seeing that the home of God is among mortals. It looks like people sifting through the rubble of bombs, ears listening for a whimper, hands, bare hands digging for life. It sounds like a Ukrainian folk rap song that inspires the crowd at Eurovision. It's packing and delivering cartons of donated groceries to hungry neighbors every week. It's a bedside vigil when all you can do is hold a hand. It's cleaning up a neighbor's yard after the tree has fallen. It's befriending and helping refugees in their unspeakable longing for families left behind in Afghanistan or Ukraine. 
It's preparing a meal for one whose appetite has been stolen by sorrow. It's the courage to sit with the pain or anguish of another, knowing you have no idea what to say or do. It's generosity in the midst of financial insecurity, the giving of one's money to care for another whom we have never and will never meet. These and a thousand other acts like them are the acts of love that have been done for us and by God's grace we will do for one another. When we see these things happening, we can glimpse a new heaven and a new earth and we stand at the gate of the holy city. When we hear stories about these acts of love, we experience all things being made new. John's vision is as real and as close as the person sitting next to you and extends as wide as the stranger on the other side of the world. We have only to act to make it plain for all to see. Amen.